Hey, well, good morning or evening or afternoon, uh, whenever you may be listening to this, whenever you're suffering from insomnia in the middle of the night and you need something to help you go to sleep, maybe you're listening to this. I don't know, but we're glad that you have joined us to journey through Scripture. Uh, we are continuing to, to walk through the Bible, and we're uh, this is a big day. We're celebrating the fact that we're beginning the second book of the Bible. So we're, we're, the, the end is in sight now. We're really moving well. Today, we're, <laughs> we're going to slow down. We're only going to talk about the first two chapters of Exodus, chapters 1 and 2. And so if you haven't read chapters uh, 1 and 2, uh, you may want to pause and, uh, and read those chapters and then come join us. All right. So my name is Philip. I'm a pastor here of Journey in Elgin, and we are having a great time going through Scripture. Uh, we've gone through Genesis, uh, which talked about how God creates the world, how He begins uh, this group of people that he is going to interact with the world through them. Uh, and we, we kind of see uh, the, the difference between good and evil really become very obvious, uh, that God created things to be good. Uh, he created humanity, to, and he said it is all very good. But then we see the result of, of sinfulness and human sinfulness, and so we see evil and kind of this constant battle between good and evil and how God is continuing to reach out to the world and offering, uh, a, uh, offering hope uh, and encouraging people to choose to do good, to choose to follow uh, the path that He has given us. And that brings us to Exodus. Uh, Exodus is, is going to be a, a little bit different where Genesis was more narrative in that it's a, a, a lot of different stories of what was happening. It's telling the story uh, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, and Joseph, right? Uh, it's telling those stories of the people of God. Exodus will be telling story, but it'll also start to have a lot more theology, uh, a, a lot more of God's law uh, becomes very clear in the book of Exodus. Uh, so Exodus is an extremely important book, and you can you make the case that the foundational event uh, that we're going to be looking at here with, uh, with Moses and the Hebrew people uh, in Egypt, that is, that is a foundational event, obviously, to the Jewish people and to the Jewish faith, uh, but it's a foundational event uh, for all people of faith, and it, it impacts the world today, um, and it, it really gives us a good picture of, of who God is and how He relates to us uh, and uh, I think I think we're really going to enjoy uh, looking at this story that begins uh, with Moses. So if you remember, the people uh, jo Joseph was in Egypt. Uh, his family came up to him, and the last that we we heard saw in the end of Genesis, Joseph passes away, uh, and now uh, Joseph is, uh, or now the people are in the land of Goshen, which is there in Egypt. And they are starting to flourish, um, and they are growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the time Exodus starts, we see hundreds of years have passed. Right? We don't know exactly the length, um, but, but we know that the people were in uh, uh, slavery, were in Egypt over 400 years. Right? So, so we're, we're, we're generations have been removed. And, uh, and so now we're in Exodus chapter 1. Uh, and it starts off, uh, just, just a couple of, of thoughts and, uh, as we hit these. Again, I encourage you uh, to read all of this for yourself. 
but there in verse 7 it says, But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, which if you remember, what's one of the things that God uh, calls us to do is to be fruitful and multiply. Well, the people are doing that, right? So they are, uh, they are growing and they grew exceedingly mighty and the land was filled with them, right? That's from the perspective of, of Egypt, the land was now filled with the Jewish people. Uh, you combine that with the fact that you have a, a, a new king over Egypt uh, who did not know Joseph. Uh, and that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, one, one thing that is just kind of to think about, this uh, idea that the land was filled with them, that from uh, Egypt's perspective, the land is filled with the Jews. Um, I, I think sometimes the Jewish people are always... Uh, given nearly too much, there's a, the, the expectation of how many of them there are is always overblown. <laughs> like right now, if you'd ask most people how many Jews are there, I think most people would probably overestimate. Uh, at this point, I think there's about 14 million uh, Jews in the world, about 6 million uh, in the United States. That's a tiny percentage of the world's population. Uh, and yet we continue to talk about this group of people, right? The Jewish people. Uh, it's, it really is incredible. And it, to me, lends credibility to the fact that there's something special about this group of people that, that God is intimately involved, uh, with them. Uh, and, and we, we see that going all the way back to when they were in the, the land of Egypt. And there in verse eight, it says, uh, there arose a new king. Uh, over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. Uh, that's a that's an important point that the that Scripture brings out. So all of the goodwill that Joseph had, that's been forgotten, and it shows the importance of remembering. Um, you know that it, it's important to know history, um, th- so that that you don't go down a bad path. Well, the, this king didn't know history. He didn't care about the relationship that Joseph had had. He was just focusing on the here and now, and he was seeing this big group of people who were not posing any threat, any real threat. He just perceived them as a potential threat. Right? And we already saw back with Joseph that there was some animosity there. Um, you know, and and uh, the Pharaoh, the king of uh, Egypt, he falls into one of the normal results of a sinful nature. Uh, he cared more about his own people and people that looked like him and that people that were in his bloodline than he did other people. And so he looked at another race of people as a possible threat. And so he begins doing things that are incredibly evil. Uh, and it, it, it does, is a good reminder uh, for us uh, the, the evil that can be done by just a, a small group of people or one individual <laughs> uh, that the man, evil can quickly uh, grow and can spread throughout a society. Uh, and we actually see that here in Egypt. And so the Pharaoh sees the, the people, they're growing. He's worried that they may rise up against him. Uh, there's no indication at all that they're planning that. Um, and so he starts to force them into labor, force them into hard work, uh, force them to, to build things for them, uh, all of those uh, types of things. Uh, that doesn't seem to work. They keep growing. Uh, Pharaoh continues to become more and more leery of them. 
So he actually gets to the point where he's saying, we need to thin this group of people out. And the best way to do that is we need to start uh, killing their children. Right? And you know, again, we've talked about this before. Uh, we see that and are just uh, appalled by it, as God would be appalled by it. Um, but in that culture, people were viewed differently. Um, men and women were viewed differently. Uh, women were not viewed as, as equal humans, if you will, equal of equal standing uh, with men. Well, children were even under that. Uh, so the fact that children were being uh, killed, it, that, that wasn't as extreme as we think of it today, even as horrible as it was. Uh, but culturally speaking, that, there were probably people that said, oh, that's a good idea, Pharaoh, you know, which is crazy to us. Uh, but so he starts this extreme act of evil. And, uh, and it's interesting who, uh, that we never get the Pharaoh's name. Scripture never gives his name. But you know whose name Scripture does uh, mention in verse 15? It says, The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the names of one was Sifra, and the name of the other was Puah. Why do we know their names? Because they stood up against evil. They showed courage in the face of evil. These were midwives that were there. More than likely, these were Egyptians that were uh, midwives to the Hebrews. And, uh, and Pharaoh thought that they would just follow his decree. And they stood up against him. And they did not do it. And the Bible calls their name, <laughs> calls them by name. Does ne- never calls Pharaoh by name. Uh, also very interesting, there's a lot of heroic women that we're going to see here and throughout all of Scripture, which again, for when Scripture would have been written, was unheard of to elevate women the way that Scripture does. And so we, we see that these midwives stood up uh, against uh, the evil edict of the Pharaoh. And in verse 17 it says, But the midwives feared God. Remember we talked about that back in Genesis. You start to see this. The importance of fearing God, of respecting God, of understanding who God is. Uh, and and living subservient to him, recognizing that he is the creator, we are the created. And, uh, and it's important for us to fear God. The midwives did, that gave them courage to stand up against uh, Pharaoh. Verse 19 says, And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are lively and they give birth before the midwives come to them. So basically they say, well, we can't get there in time. They have, have the baby before we can be there to take the baby away, uh, which is a lie. It's, it's an interesting little ethical uh, question here, uh, one that sometimes I think we, we make uh, way too complicated. Uh, but is this wrong for them to lie? Um, you know, and sometimes we, we kind of take the simple view is that uh, uh, we're, you don't lie, and so there's never an excuse to lie. Well, life isn't always that clear-cut. And these midwives are standing up against evil, and they are fighting uh, against evil. You know what? 
to save lives, to fight against evil, I, I don't think God's going to have a problem with that kind of a lie, right? We do need to understand that and, and wrestle with that, and there needs to be some, some wrestling uh, with it. But uh, these, these midwives are willing to do all that they can to avoid participating in evil, um, which, is, which is courageous because, you know what, whenever your, your society and when your leadership is going down and, and encouraging evil, the easy thing to do is just to give in and just to rationalize and say, well, that's what they want me to do. And uh, that's, that's easy to do. Um, but you know what? We need to always be making sure that we are standing up for good uh, rather than for those things that are evil. So we see that, uh, that uh, Pharaoh, he wants uh, the, uh, all of the male children to be thrown into the Nile River. Um, Moses is born during this time. Uh, again, th- th- these are just little things, but I think it's important. Uh, chapter 2 starts off, it says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as his wife a daughter of Levi, and they bore a son. Now, Moses is, well, is the largest figure in, in the Jewish faith. Uh, I guess you can quibble a little bit, but Moses is, is uh, you know, definitely on the Mount Rushmore, <laughs> if you will. And isn't it interesting that it doesn't even give Moses' parents' names here? It does later, we, we find out their names. But I think the point that is trying to be made here is that Moses was just a normal person. He wasn't, there, there wasn't anything overly special about his mom and dad. They didn't have uh, a high status in that society. Um, they were just, he's just a normal guy from a normal family, right? And, uh, and so he's born into that situation and his uh, mom obviously does not want him to be thrown into the Nile. Uh, so they create an, it's interesting, the word that is used, uh, an ark to put him in. It's the same word that is used in Noah's ark, right? So he creates this basket uh, that, uh, that will protect um, uh, Moses, and they put him in the Nile River. Um, and he starts floating around, and you kind of get this image that here's Moses in this basket floating around the Nile River. His sister Miriam uh, is kind of keeping an eye on it, uh, and then the basket uh, floats into an area, and who <laughs> of, of all people should find the basket? But it's Pharaoh's daughter. The, the, the daughter of the person who has instituted such evil is the one who now finds this uh, child. She obviously recognizes that this is a Hebrew child, but she shows compassion. Again, you're not defined by your parents. We, we see that before. Here is a, a, a daughter of Pharaoh who is willing uh, to do what is right, uh, even though uh, her father and king has instituted such an evil policy. Uh, and it, interesting how everything works out. Miriam says, hey, you're probably going to need someone to nurse that baby. And she says, yes. And Miriam says, hey, I have a per- perfect person. And of course, it's Moses' mother. And so Moses uh, actually spends time you know, uh, there at the very beginning of his life with his mom and uh, begins to grow up, but then obviously grows up in the palace, grows up in, uh, you know, with Pharaoh's daughter. And that brings us, it's, it's interesting, Scripture basically goes, says, going to name you Moses, which is a more Egyptian name, because I drew him out of the water. That's what it means. 
Um, and then we skip from there <laughs> uh, all the way to when Moses is quite a bit older. Uh, and there in verse 11 of chapter 2, uh, the next time we see Moses, uh, things are starting to, uh, to escalate pretty quickly. And what happens is Moses is, is going around. He obviously knows he's connected with the Hebrew people. He knows that there's a heritage connection there. Uh, but he's also uh, a prince of Egypt in a, uh, as he is the adopted child of uh, Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, and he sees uh, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Right? So, of course, they're still in slavery. So they're, uh, this Egyptian is beating him. And he intervenes, and he ends up having to kill the Egyptian. This is, this is an interesting thing, and, and there's a couple different ways to look at this. You can look at this as this is a horrible thing that, that Moses committed murder. Um, but you also look at it as Moses was willing to step in <laughs> to a really bad situation, right? He was willing to step in and stand up for the person who was being beaten. And then that starts getting, well, what are the options there? Do you just stand in and do you just uh, fight the guy um, and then let him go? Uh, and then Pharaoh is to, uh, told about it and then you would be killed because that's what would have happened. Uh, you, you didn't side with the slaves. Um, this was an interesting place. And what it shows, I think, is one of the reasons that God chose Moses. Uh, Moses was willing to stand up uh, against evil. Uh, that, that he was, was willing to, to engage in that. And sometimes we have to actively engage uh, against uh, the, the evil that we are seeing being done in the world around us. Moses, we see that. The next day, uh, he, or not the next day, um, we, uh, we see, oh yeah, no, sorry. And it went out the second day and behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. Uh, and Moses gets involved in that too. And he speaks up and he says, hey, what's going on? What's the problem here? Uh, so he's willing to, to enter into these difficult situations. And uh, this is interesting. The person that uh, is, is causing the, the problem, causing the argument, he responds by saying, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Right? Such typical behavior, right? <laughs> when when we're doing wrong and someone uh, confronts us, the easiest thing to do is just to attack the person than to actually acknowledge what we're doing. Um, but Moses realizes, okay, now I'm in trouble because it's going to get back to Pharaoh. And in fact, it does get back to Pharaoh and Pharaoh wants to have Moses killed. So Moses has to flee and he flees uh, to, to Midian and and uh, right there at the beginning of chapter, uh, or in chapter 2, verse 16, uh, Moses shows again his willingness to stand up for those who are being persecuted. Uh, he came uh, to a well, and uh, there, uh, there were uh, those who were uh, harassing um, uh, some, some daughters, some uh, sisters, and Moses stands up for them and, uh, and pushes them back. Uh, and that's where he meets Zipporah, uh, who eventually becomes his wife. Um, and Moses begins this stage of his life, where now he is in the land of Midian, and he begins to have a family. Uh, so we, we see the beginnings of this story. We start to see the character of Moses develop. 
Uh, next time we're going to just read the next two chapters. So read chapters three and four. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at the calling of Moses and him going back to Egypt. Um, but again, all of this is taking time. This is taking uh, years in the making. Uh, but God is beginning to respond to the people being enslaved. And, uh, and he, is going, he is setting the stage uh, for going and bringing the people out of captivity. So I encourage you to read Genesis chapter 3 and 4, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Have a great day.